Crunch Time! Crunch Time! You're listening to Crunch Time on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Crunch Time! Crunch Time! Oh, well, hello, Kansas City. It is Thursday night, and that means it's time for Crunch Time. You know, Frank, it's, we've been preempted with KU basketball, but the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> have continued to play very, very well. So I, I guess we probably, uh, as much as we think we're important, Frank, we're not that important because the Chiefs keep rolling along. And, and uh, now KU basketball has started, so there will be a couple Thursdays where we're not on the air. But uh, uh, excited to be on the air to talk about, really, what most considered to be the halfway point, usually the first week in November, the second week in November is kind of the halfway point uh, for the NFL. And the Kansas City Chiefs certainly have just played unbelievable in this first half of the NFL season and had a chance to kind of uh, look back at some of the prognostication that I I was one of them. I thought the Kansas City Chiefs would be 10-6. and six. I was looking at some uh, Adam Teicher stuff, and he thought maybe 9-7. and seven. Frank, I know you were – Right around the same uh, nine and seven. I was a nine and seven guy. Yep. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs have done unbelievable, and it's so much fun to watch. And as a progressive, I think we would like to talk a little bit about kind of why this team is where it's at, and, and, and really comes down to you know as well as everybody has played on the offensive side, and you know there's been some bright spots on the defensive side, but I guess you really got to talk about the offensive side. You got to talk about Patrick Mahomes he, right now. He is the MVP, not only of the Kansas City Chiefs, but might be the MVP of the NFL as this halfway uh, in the season uh, has kind of come about. And you know, I wanted to talk a little bit, Frank, and, and you know, if you, if you can chime in a little bit about kind of the Patrick Mahomes effect, uh, really on this team and, and really for the NFL. It, it's just been kind of amazing to watch this kid. And, uh, you know, as I was jotting some things down, I, I put down about five or six things that I thought that Patrick Mahomes has done over the last nine games that has just been unbelievable uh, to watch and to, to digest because the Patrick Mahomes effect is certainly there. When you look at what defensive players and defensive coordinators are trying to do to stop Patrick Mahomes, it, it really is backfiring. And Andy Reid is one of the reasons why, but the other reason why is because Patrick Mahomes, I think, is, you know, it's really he's, he's been able to adjust and adapt. And, you know, teams are trying not to get beat. They're trying not to give up chunk plays. And some of that, when you try not to get beat and when you try not to, to give up chunk plays, you leave the middle of the field open. And the Kansas City Chiefs have taken advantage of the middle of the field like no other team I've seen in a long, long time. The only teams that, that really come close are, the New England teams, as they went on the Super Bowls, when Tom Brady would would pick apart the middle of the field, the Kansas City Chiefs between 10 and 20 yards passes have really just killed the NFL. And with the athletes that they have, with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and now Watkins coming along, and I mean you can go on. They uh, they just have taken advantage of the yards after the catch from that 10 and 20 yard pass and made huge plays. So this is because of this Patrick Mahomes effect in the middle of the field being wide open. He's having a career year last week in his hometown of Cleveland. Had seven catches for 99 yards, and and uh, you know he just keep catching, just keep catching touchdown passes. It's just fun to watch him do that. Uh, what else is there? Uh, oh, by the way, uh, the two touchdown passes that that uh, Patrick Mahomes threw were uh, between 10 and 20 yards for the two touchdown passes. So I mean they're taking advantage of that even in the red zone. 
And then you look at the other Patrick Mahomes effect, and it's Cream Hunt. Now, listen, Cream Hunt had an unbelievable year last year and and uh, and was uh, right up there with the greatest rushers in the NFL uh, last year. But this year also is continuing to do that. And why is that? Because it looks like teams are are, are trying to to you know kind of do two things at once. They're trying to obviously you know, watch Patrick Mahomes and see where he's trying to go with the ball. But the other thing they're trying to do is they're, 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 they're trying to be perfect on the RPOs. And you can't be perfect on RPOs. You've got to decide one way or the other. And they're making the, the, the decision most of the time to, to open up and, and take that pass away, which is really giving Kareem Hunt a lot of room to run. And, and he was the offensive player of the week. So that, that really has helped Kareem Hunt, this Patrick Mahomes effect. The other thing, with the Patrick Mahomes effect has really been helping the offensive line. You know, Austin Reeder and Andrew Willie are good football players, but they're not household names. You know, the, a, a new center, a new right guard, uh, when, when you're playing as well, you're doing the kind of things that Patrick Mahomes is doing and getting them into good situations. Uh, the offensive line really is able to, is to, able to adapt and make, and make good plays and, and do good things, even though they might not have their top talent in there. Usually injuries up front are very problematic uh, unless you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, we, we've seen this over, over and over the years. You know, I keep harkening back to Tom Brady. You know, there's a lot of times when Tom Brady's offensive lines had injuries or weren't the best offensive lines, but, but he was able to put them in good situations. And that's what Patrick Mahomes is doing. The Patrick Mahomes effect on the offensive line is certainly a big factor in why they're playing well. You look at the Patrick Mahomes effect, on on the uh, on, on the fans, uh, on on really just not only the not only the Kansas City Chief fans who have bought in to Patrick Mahomes, not only the Kansas City Chief fans that, that that you know just have the confidence when they walk in that they think every pass is going to be completed, just like every wide receiver does, that that every play is going to be a positive play, just like everybody on that team does. But the NFL fan itself, you know, if you watch, they're in awe of what this young man is doing. Even the fans in Cleveland, you watch, they were in awe of the things that Patrick Mahomes is doing. And, and it's so, so much fun to know that that's our guy. And the last guy is what Andy Reid has been able to do with giving Patrick Mahomes the keys to this offense and the Patrick Mahomes effect of being able to give him a lot of things to look at, a lot of things to adapt with, a lot of things to run with that maybe a young quarterback can't do. And when I'm talking about run with and adapt with, a lot of the motions and a lot of the things that they're doing is giving him keys and giving him ideas of what's going to happen as the play progresses. And Patrick Mahomes has made the good decision. So the Patrick Mahomes effect, Frank, has been really, really evident as his first half of the season has come around. Yeah, really. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how ho-hum the games have gotten for the fans. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, sure, we're going to win a game. Yeah, right. This is no problem. You know, no matter what happens. This was a six-point game at halftime. It was twenty one fifteen, and you you know, but I don't think there was anyone in the Chiefs kingdom who thought that uh, Cleveland had a chance in the second half, and that Kansas City would just get the job done. Um, but like you said earlier, I, I think one of the reasons that Patrick Mahomes helps out the offensive line. You talked about this. I know they've scrambled some guys around because of injuries, and Mitch Morse is going to be out again this week. I'm really worried about the guy future wise as far as his yeah, career is concerned. Period. For two reasons. Number one, it'd be a shame if he could never play again. But because of the concussions, you really want him to err on the side of caution uh, for his for, for his future. You know, you don't want him 
to uh, to absorb too much punishment up front there. But Patrick Mahomes really helps those guys out. And you talked about it. the deal is he moves so well. He gets rid of the ball. He has such arm strength, and they have to worry so much downfield about the Chiefs' weapons. They can't rush a whole lot of guys. And when Absolutely. they do bring a blitz, they might bring one guy. So you, if you've got somebody back there helping, if the back stays in or even if the back goes out, Patrick Mahomes just knows he can rid of the ball really quickly, and it really helps those guys. But he has been getting hit a little bit more these past few weeks. He's He's been on the grind a little bit more than we saw earlier this season. I think teams were waiting to see what he could do they weren't really blitzing him earlier in the season. Now they know the only way to try to stop him is to try to disrupt his timing a little bit and, uh, you know, try to knock him around, try to strip the ball from, try to, you know, uh, sack him. But it's been very, very difficult. But he is getting hit a little bit more. That has to do a little bit with the offensive line being scrambled a little bit. But he is still just performing at such a high level. It's really interesting. There have been nine 5,000-yard passing seasons in NFL history, five of those by Drew Brees, right? Well, this season, five quarterbacks, including Patrick Mahomes, are on pace to throw for 5,000 yards. This game, NFL football, has gotten to be a video game, okay? And everybody worries about the Chiefs' defense when if you look at what happened to the Rams' defense the other day against New Orleans, right? I mean, Come on, they're supposed to be – they keep adding people, and they're supposed to be the best best team in the NFL on defense. They got lit up. It's almost like the defense now, Tim, is in a situation of, okay, just make them punt once or twice. Just make the opposition punt once or twice, and we've got this thing, especially with some of these top-rated quarterbacks and some of these top-rated uh, offenses. Like, you've got Mahomes. You've got Goff for the Rams. You've got, you know – Kirk Cousins is having a hell of a year. He's completing – he has the highest completion percentage. He's 71.3%. He's throwing for 2,600 yards already. He's averaging 298 a game. And then, of course, you've got the other guys. you got Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger. They are all trending as well for 5,000 yards. So it has – it is – the NFL has all of a sudden – and I think they've been trending this way, but now all of a sudden – it's everybody looks like they're trying to get one of these quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes, and they just want to throw the ball all over the yard. Yeah, and getting back to your, your point on the offensive line, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, they have given up some hits, and, you know, and they have shuffled those guys inside. And, you know, Irving really is the only inside guy that, that, that has been consistent on the field. Uh, but if you look at Schwartz and Fisher, both of them have played fairly well being able to hold kind of their own on the backside of protections as they turn protection to pick up whether it's four or five. But most of the time, like you said, they're only bringing three or four, uh, you know, and five at the most. They're not bringing a lot of pressure. When they do, they're bringing pressure, it seems like third down, to try to dictate the action to the Chiefs and kind of dictate the action to to Patrick Mahomes and, and, and make him make a decision quickly and maybe make a poor decision, which he hasn't made a lot of those. But getting to your point with, with the offenses in the NFL, I completely agree with you. And I think that if you look at, first of all, I think the athleticism of quarterbacks, I, I, and if you could think back to you know, 25 years ago or 30 years ago when I played, you know, there were some great quarterbacks. But the athleticism, I mean, you, Steve DeBerg was a magician, but he wasn't the most athletic guy. Joe Montana was one of the more smart, uh, crafty quarterbacks but probably wasn't the best athlete as far as you know Steve Young was kind of a 
uh, a trend breaker because he was a guy who could move around a little bit. But, I mean, he would be an average athlete right now in the NFL at the quarterback position. So it looks to me like it's almost the K-State theory of quarterbacks. Go find the best athlete, uh, you know, and, and that's what teams are doing now, whether it's high school. And I've seen this in high school. I've seen it in college where they find the best athlete and they put him at quarterback. And if you can find a guy that can, 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 can put all of it together as far as his, his mind and, and the brains of the game and the athleticism and the arm and the arm confidence, then you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And you have the, the, you know, the Watsons of, of, of the NFL. The, the, the quarterbacks in the NFL are very athletic, which is causing a lot of issues right now for, for defensive players and defensive coordinators. And the other thing that you're exactly right when you, when you talk about you know, the, 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 the yardage that is being kind of piled up in the passing game, you know, the rules in the NFL, and we could talk about this still with blue us in the face, but you know, I, I, I contend that the tackling isn't as good as it used to be. And, and I think the guys are trying to make those what I call ESGN plays where they're trying to either make the big hit or they're trying to strip the ball out. You know, look what happened last week to, to our friend uh, down in, uh, in Los Angeles. Marcus Graham. Peters. Mm-hmm. Marcus Peters, he's trying, to, he's trying to, you know, jump a pattern and trying to make a play instead of doing his job and gives up the big touchdown play. I saw you tweet about it and gives up the, the winning touchdown. And, you know, and, and feels, and he does, and I don't, didn't see a lot of remorse, but I'm sure, that, you know, he was bummed out about giving the play. But, but that's what he does. That's his M.O. And, and you know, and, and, and that's what defenses are doing now because the offenses are going to score. But you're exactly right. If you can get two or three stops in a game now or you can, you can get a turnover or two, boy, you're ahead of the curve. And, and that's kind of the way I think that <laughs> the NFL is certainly going. Now that's in front, you know as well as I do. And I'm not sure how they'll do it. But our defenses will catch up, and they'll figure something out, and they'll slow things down. And then maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but eventually. And then it'll trend a little bit towards the defense. But really, if you just look at the athleticism on the field right now, it's usually on the offensive side, and I don't know how they're going to do it anytime quick. Yeah, I think the defense is going to get to a point where if they're throwing like this, they're going to have two guys you would consider defensive tackles, no middle guard, okay, and then the other nine guys – will be extremely mobile, switch them in and out. You know, guys playing, you know, on the the two outside guys on the line, okay, and then your linebackers will all be either safeties or, you know, converted corners or whatever that may be a little bit bigger, and then you'll have your cornerbacks. But you'll have nine guys out there who can really run and really watch people and start to be able to watch running backs out of the backfield, be able to stay on tight ends and be able to keep pace with some of these wide receivers coming out. I think that's the way the defense will morph. Right now, you just can't go through your roster, for instance, with the Chiefs and get rid of Chris Jones. You know, you just can't go, okay, well, we don't need him anymore. Well, you know, for right now, that's not going to be the deal. But eventually, they're going to get rid of guys like Chris Jones and they're going to have some defensive tackles who who are tackles, who are big guys. Um, but uh, and be able to make a push, but you're going to have the rest of it being linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks are going to be all over the field trying to watch this uh, video game offense that the NFL is running right now, and it's just it's phenomenal to watch. And you know what? It's fun to watch. And everybody, when we had all the sitting and kneeling, 
the uh, past couple seasons, the, the Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, effect for a while. And people said, I'm, I'm never watching NFL games again. I'm not doing this anymore. And I mean, a couple of my buddies say, you know, hey, what do you think? And they're going, I don't watch the NFL anymore. Well, the NFL ratings are way up again. So that has gone by the wayside. And people are having fun watching the NFL because of what's going on in offense. Yeah, and, and you know, I think you're exactly right. If you, if you look at kind of and, – and scoring is still high in, in the college ranks and in, in the NCAA uh, Division One rankings. It's the offense, they're still scoring a lot of points. But, but I think the defensive scouts and the defensive people that are recruiting and the staffs have, have kind of gone to what you just said. You know, you don't see the big thumper linebackers like you used to. You know, you, you see smaller guys that are quick and agile that could cover. And, you know, and I often tell people, you know, back when I was coaching at Bishop Meage, we had a couple linebackers that I thought that just were lights out linebackers. They were six foot two, about 225, and could make, you know, tackles from, make tackles from, from the tackle to the other tackle and downhill and make some big plays. But most of the recruiters say, listen, we need guys that can open their hips and run and get out in the flat and cover backs and, and do all kinds of different things, and that's what they're looking for. They weren't looking for those thumpers, and I think you're right. I think that that's the trend. I think as you as 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 you get through this season, and and as the off season progresses, and and teams, staffs, and 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 front offices and scouts all sit down and they and they try to evaluate. Hey, how can we stop, or how can we make this team better on the defensive side? How can we stop these prolific offenses? I think you're exactly right. I think that they're going to come one team. Our two teams are going to get to that point where they're going to say, listen, just with your theory, where they're going to have a couple big guys, even their, even their defensive ends are going to be more athletic guys, linebacker type of guys. And you're right, they're, they're, their linebackers are going to be safeties and they're going to draft all kinds of corners, all kinds of people that can run so they can stay with people. But then you have to worry about, okay, you have a guy like Kareem Hunt who's running people over now and making plays uh, uh, between the tackles. And that's your weakness. I mean, you have a back that's just as big, if not bigger than that linebacker, and he can run him over. So there's really no easy answer, but there's going to be something that has to come up in these off-season meetings and in these scouting department meetings to try to figure out how to slow down these offenses. Right, and you're going to get football evolution, too, starting in high school and then college. The colleges are going to start to, you know, let the high schools know, hey, look, you know, we're sort of looking for these kind of guys now. we got these air raid offenses all over the country in college football. You guys in high school are running it. You've got now linebackers that are – or maybe you've got safeties or guys like that that are running with the backs or trying to stay up with them. They're the kind of guys we want as we move forward here in college football. And then college will refine those guys as well a little bit more to send them on the NFL because the NFL is going to come back to them and go, you know, we're looking, we're not looking for those really big uglies down in the trenches as much as we're looking for guys who can really run, who really have the speed. And we're talking 250 – 260-pound guys who can really run, you know, can really get after, like linebacker types, who can then make those tackles on running backs coming through. But they can also cover. They can also go out and cover a tight end or cover a back out of the backfield. I think it's all going to evolve. The entire game is going to evolve. And it's just a matter of time before that evolution uh, moves up to the uh, NFL and they can be able to go out and draft kids that fill these spots that these guys are looking for. Yeah, and, and I think to your point, uh, I think the middle-class athlete is a dying breed. I think you're going to have the real big guys, and you're going to have the real fast, quick guys. And that's kind of where things are going to be at. And to your, also to your point, 
I think that started already, Frank. I think that I think that scouts um, and the college ranks, even even when I was going around, there were certain guys, certain body uh, types that we were looking for because we knew in the Big 12 that you had to have guys that, that could cover people and open up their hips, like I said, and get out and, and run right. with backs and get out and cover people in, in space. And, uh, you know, because the, the Big 12, five, six, seven, eight years ago, we're still, they were scoring 50, 60 points a game, each, every team, the Patrick Mahomes effect. And it slowed down a little bit, maybe because they have recruited those guys. So it'll be interesting to watch this thing metamorphose as, as the year goes on, but they have to do something as low as offense is down. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and uh, we're back with Tim. We're going to talk a little bit about, well, this is as the show goes on, we'll talk a little bit about home field advantage, maybe how many wins it's really going to take now because it looks like it's going to take a lot to get there because a lot of these teams have now really turned it on, including the New England Patriots, who may not lose again this season. Uh, so the Chiefs have to look at that and try to keep pace with that. We'll also take a look at the Chiefs' defense, but we'll be back with more right after this on Crunch Time. Kansas City's hometown sports station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, welcome back to Crunch Time. It's Tim and Frank, and on a Thursday, you can talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs and what an unbelievable season. They are having thus far. We broke down a little bit of the Patrick Mahomes effect on this, on this, this offense and on this team and on this fan base. I mean, really, Patrick Mahomes has brought the fan base along with, with him, uh, just as, uh, just as anything uh, that I've ever seen. I mean, it's just amazing to watch uh, what what he's been able to do. And but you know, the one side that we we all kind of you know have a, just a little bit of a you know worry about is is obviously the defensive side of the ball and. And uh, you know they're they are struggling at times, but it really all defenses around the NFL are struggling. And you know uh, I, I think Ford uh, has uh, and Green Speaks uh, have done a pretty nice job of, of getting a little bit of pressure. You know Chris Jones also who had a, had a sack, uh, got a little bit of pressure. I think the defensive backs at times uh, look okay, but you know I think there's a communication issues going on there, but. Uh, as far as the defense, you know, they're doing just enough. And maybe it's because of the offense, but they're doing just enough to win Frank. Yeah, they are. And I think it's almost their defense has gotten into this. And maybe defense around the NFL, because we talked about it in the first segment about how they have this air raid offense and everybody just, just racking up these points and they're racking up these yards. I think, I think the defense's uh, mantra every week is make them punt. Like stop them twice. Make them punt twice during the game. Just make, especially if you're you're a Chiefs fan, just defense. Make them punt twice during a game or kick field goals and don't score touchdowns, and we're going to be just fine. Yeah, and and you know, and, and what I think the Chiefs have had to make some adjustments as the season progressed. Now, I thought they struggled a little bit this week uh, with the back out of the backfield. I, you know, Dorian Daniel was a guy that that really has done a nice job of of covering guys out of the backfield for one reason or another. I'm not sure why it was, Frank, but, you know, as I was watching this game, I kept watching to see where he was at, and he was nowhere near the running back. And Duke Johnson, who basically shredded the defense with his passing attack and made some big plays, um, the task of, of, of covering him wasn't Dorian or Daniels. It, it looked like Anthony Hitchens was trying to get back on man. I thought that was something that they solved. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it didn't look like Dorian or Daniels was uh, in the same position or doing the same thing that he did the last couple of games, and I thought he did a really nice job of covering guys out of the backfield. And it looked like Anthony Hitchens was given that job this week, and just 
he hasn't done a really good job being able to cover guys out of the backfield. Yeah, well, well you got to get O'Daniel going. You just got to play him all the time. I think it all all that matters is experience. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, and Hitchens has been running around. He's got the bad rib cage, and that can't you know that can't uh, do much for you. And number two this week, it looks like Daniel Sorensen's going to play. He's one of the featured guys this week in the interview room, and um, it looks like he's going to play. He's back. And Andy said, I don't know if he's going to play one play or 50 plays, but we're going to get him back out there and play. What what kind of difference will that make with him back there playing safety? Well, I think you're going to be able to take around Parker, and who I think is more comfortable away from the line of scrimmage and put him back there and, and put the Sorensen more towards the line of scrimmage. Last week, Ron Parker spent a bunch of time up by the line of scrimmage, kind of in run defense, maybe you know, kind of shadowing uh, uh, the, the slot. Uh, it looked like he was – a little bit tighter, kind of getting that seven to eight man guy in the box to maybe even slow down the tight end. Uh, what David was in Jokey or whatever his name is, the the tight end from Cleveland yeah, right. had a pretty uh-huh. nice, pretty nice, pretty nice game. And they had Eric Murray back, uh, kind of as the last line of defense, uh, in a, kind of a cover three looking scheme. And uh, you know, I, I I just don't I don't think Ron Parker feels comfortable up there. I don't think Eric Murray has the athleticism to be back there at that line, last line of defense. I think that Ron Parker would do a much better job of being in that kind of deep center field. And you take Sorensen and, and, you know, put him up towards the line of scrimmage and, and uh, where he's more comfortable. You know, he's a smart player. Uh, he's a guy that, he, you know, he's, he, he's pretty physical. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously he, he can, he's got a little bit better speed than people getting credit for, but, but he's, he, he's not that, he's not that center fielder um, in a, in a defense. So, if he did, does, does get in there, I think that it'll give Eric Murray a little bit of a break. I think Ron Parker will drop back and play a little bit more of that, that deep center field, and they'll be able to rotate a little bit more. Now, listen, I don't think that the, the corners have played horrendous. You know, uh, uh, Fuller uh, had his issues in the game, and, and Skandrick also has his issues. But, but you know, they, they seem to be okay. It seems like a lot of the, lot of the, the mistakes are just communication problems. Where the corner thinks the safety is going to be there, or or the safety is not in the right position, and uh, you know the communication gives up a big play or gives up just a you know wide open uh, spot, whether it's outside of the hash or inside of the hash. So you know that that's something that needs to be straightened out. Maybe Sorensen can help that a little bit with Ron Parker kind of being back there as as a center fielder. Yeah, right. And I think some of that communication comes from just there's some pretty smart offensive coordinators on the other side as well. You yeah. know, we don't give teams much credit for doing things, but look at the way Andy Reid schemes. I mean, how bad do some teams look against the Chiefs trying to cover the wheel route, trying to cover some of those little shuffle plays in the middle of the line of scrimmage? I mean, it's it's brutal that way. And as far as the Chiefs defense is concerned, they're 31st overall. That ain't good, okay? But no. they're they're ninth in interceptions, they're ninth in forcing fumbles, and they're 20 in points allowed. Now, 20 is below the halfway, but if you can move the points allowed up into the, the low teens and stay where you are with forcing fumbles and interceptions, I think you'd be in pretty good shape. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that, that Sutton likes to do, obviously, is, is, you know, he likes to play a little bit more man than anybody else, and I think the Chiefs play man well. I think when they do get into some of their zone stuff is when you have those mistakes where the, the safety's not quite sure where the corner's going to be or the corner's not quite sure where the safety's going to be, and the communication isn't quite there. And, and I think that's something they've tried to implement as the season has gone on, this zone type of look. Now, obviously, they work on it in training camp, and they look at it over the summer. But, listen, the, the, the meat and potatoes of this defensive backfield is playing 
uh, man and, and getting up on and playing tight on receivers. And, you know, Steven Nelson's a guy that I thought he played fairly well last game, but, you know, he went up and tried to play, uh, uh, play aggressive on Antonio Callaway uh, there in, in the middle of the game and, and couldn't get his hands on him. Antonio Callaway beat him for that big 40-yard pass up the sideline. So, uh, you know, that's going to happen. You're going to give up those big yards if you're going to go up there and, you know, you try to take a shot to try to stone a guy on the line of scrimmage and, and he just makes you miss or, or beat you or, or get your hands off and you're off balance a little bit and you got to catch up. So you're going to have those things. That's why I think that you do give up big yards. But as you get into that red zone and you, that, that 12th defender is that end line and things are a lot tighter, then if you do get beat when you're up playing tight and you're playing man and you're trying to throw your hands on guys, if you do get beat, you have that back line to help you defend and you can catch up quicker. So I think the Chiefs have been, although they've given up a lot of yards, and listen, they yes, they've given up points, but that's the nature of the beast, Frank. When you have an offensive scoring like they are, and they're you know they're, they're scoring in six, seven, eight plays, and you, your defense is going out there, they're going to give up points. But really, when they get in the red zone, I think the Chiefs have done a pretty decent job in the red zone of kind of limiting. Uh, they've given up a lot of yards, but they, they've kind of done that old bend-don't break, and a lot of that has to do with kind of the style that the Chiefs play in their defensive backfield with aggressiveness and man, by man cover two or just man, and, and getting up on receivers and, and using that back end line as that 12th defender. Yeah, and it looks like, too, Justin Houston will be back as well. How effective he's going to be after being out for a while, I don't know. How many plays he's going to play, I don't know, even if he does play. But um, what are your thoughts about getting him back in the, on the defensive side I mean, of the football? Any time you get Justin Houston back on the field, it just brings to that level of emotion. He is the emotional leader of that defense. Um, so, you know, I think D Ford has done a nice job of picking up kind of the pieces and picking up the reins as, as Justin Houston has been out. But when Justin Houston gets in there, it's a whole different defense. It's a whole different front seven because now you have to pick your poison. You got to pick your poison, whether you're going to turn that protection and take, take out Justin Houston. Um, you can't really run at Justin Houston because he plays so well with leverage and strength at the point of attack in the run. Uh, and then, you know, you have D Ford on the other side. If you just single him up, he's going to beat an offensive tackle with his quickness and speed around the corner, and he's shown that. That's why teams have been fanning out to him and trying to take him away or chipping with a back over there. Now you have to decide, okay, do I go with the known, which is, uh, you know, D Ford has been able to beat people consistently this year, or do I go with my gut? And my gut is that Justin Houston's the guy that we have to take out. When you're sitting there in an offensive meeting, you know, the first thing that you do as you go through the personnel, the head coach and the offensive coordinator will turn to the offensive line coach and they'll say, listen, okay, who do we have to take care of? Now, if it was me and I was looking at this offense, this defense and looking at it, I would say, I have to make sure that Justin Houston doesn't beat me. And I'm going to have to either chip, put a tight end over there, or turn the protection over to Justin Houston. And I know D. Ford has had his, 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 his flashes, and he's, had, he's having a career year and a lot of giving a career year because obviously he's in his, in his uh, contract year, and that seems to happen uh, for some guys. But, but he's having a career year. But I would still go with, him. I would still go with my gut and take, try to take Justin Houston out of the game and then try to run at D. Ford and then take Justin Houston out of the game in the pass protection. If you run at D. Ford and you beat him up a little bit, he'll tend to slow down a little bit. So I think Justin Houston brings another aspect and just another worry and another uh, thing that you have to deal with uh, as you as you break down the team for the week 
And as you go into the game, if Jesse Gleason's on the field. Yeah, you know, this week, too, you really wonder, okay, they're bringing him back. I I think the reason they're bringing him and even Sorensen back and then maybe like guys like Sammy Watkins who's running around on a bad foot and, you know, Mitch Morse, of course, he has a concussion protocol, but Hitchens was ribs. You know, you're playing the Arizona Cardinals, and they are probably the second-worst team in the NFL behind the Oakland Raiders. And you just wonder, are we going to really need these guys for this football game? You don't want to give your team that mental, you know, uh, uh, crutch, you know, but you you just wonder, should we bring these guys back for this football game? But in the back of your mind is, let's get them a game before we have to go play the Rams in Mexico City. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. You don't want to throw these guys in against the Rams. The Rams are the best team in the end. Well, maybe not. Maybe they're the second best team out the Saints beat them, but they're a really good team over down the side, and they're, listen, they're, they're in, in the discussion as the top two or three teams in the NFL. Uh, so you don't want to take those guys and throw them out against the Rams, especially in, you know, down in Mexico. I mean, yeah, that could be a travel issue, it's, you know, a little bit out of your comfort zone. Um, there's things you have to deal with. It's with travel. And, and yeah, and, you know, even though, you know, they, they take care of the guys, but just, it's, just, it's just different. You know, anytime you travel outside of the country, whether you're going into England to play or you're going down to the Mexico to play, and, you know, there's many times, even though there are preseason games, we went over to Tokyo and we went down to Monterey, Mexico, and went into Germany and played games. And, 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 you know, even though they were preseason games, it's just different. You know, it's just, a, it's just a different feel. And you don't want to throw those guys in a situation where uh, they, you know, first of all, they're, they're knocking the rust off and they're doing it in an uncomfortable spot. So go play against, you know, the Cardinals at home. You know, get yourself, you know, 15, 20, 25 snaps. Knock the rust off and get ready to play the Rams. Your point is exactly right. They don't want to throw these guys into the walls down in Mexico. No, that's a, that's probably the last thing. That's a tough. That's a tough one to get going on because the Rams are playing so well, especially on offense. And these these guys, at least, you know, Sorensen and Houston, they're defensive guys. They're going to have to be running all over the football field or attacking one or two when they get down there and play Arizona. But we're going to talk about. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We also want to talk a little bit about how many. Wins you now think it's going to take. I, I said beginning of the season they were going to be nine and seven and maybe get a playoff berth. Now I'm thinking they might have to go fourteen and two to be the number one seed in the AFC. The way things are going, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about that when we come back on Crunch Time. The most powerful sports station in America has a home in Kansas City. This is Sports Radio eight ten WHB. All right, welcome back to Crunch Time. That's right, it's Thursday night. Frank and I are kind of breaking down the Kansas City Chiefs as they work through the middle of the season right now as they are peaking, peaking towards the end of the year. And, and it's coming faster than – it's just amazing how fast the football season is going now, Frank. And, you know, Jesus, you and I started talking a little bit about this in August and started the show here in September, and now it's already November and we're looking at uh, December. Listen, the Chiefs play against the Cardinals this week, which is a game at home that 
You know, the, and I'm glad it's at home. I don't. I don't think that any reason let these guys overlook it. And I just this is not a very good football <laughs> this, team. So this isn't one of those <laughs> games like remember when Billy Bob said, "Yeah, we'll just roll our helmets out there." And uh, Marty went crazy on Billy Bob. It was the Atlanta Falcons. I think they were playing. The Falcons were god awful. And Billy said, "Yeah, we just roll our helmets out." This is one of those games. <laughs> you might be. You might just be. You know, we can't get in trouble now for saying that. But I think Billy's right. I think you probably just roll your helmet out of the field. And, and win this game, but they're going up against the Cardinals, which is just in a state of flux. I mean, this team is just, you know, just devastated with different injuries and just no quarterback, you know, to say, uh, you know, who's number one, who's number two. But you got the Cardinals, then you got the probably, like we talked about, one of the best teams in the NFL and the Rams in Mexico. Then remember, you got you got your bye. So you have the two games, you know, you have really, and if I was any reader, I'd say, listen, we have two games coming up here. We got one. Uh, here at home, a game that we should win. We have to win if we want to keep up with the rest of the people in the AFC. And then we're playing against a team that we're probably, you know, if, if everything works out right, might see in, in the Super Bowl. I mean, that would be the dream. This is a team that, you know, has an opportunity to do that, an opportunity to play. I think it's going to be the same for the Rams uh, from that side. And, and you know, you're playing the Rams. So you have an opportunity to kind of make a statement against the NFC uh, in Mexico. Then you take a break. You know, you got a break, and, and, and you're able to rest some guys. And, and uh, to your point about getting some of these guys, some, some of the rust knocked off to some of the injured guys, you go in against the Cardinals, you get you know, you get a couple reps there, you go, you play against the best team, and then you have a week off, which is always nice for these guys so they can rest up and you know, get away a little bit, and then you, and then you go on for the rest of the season. But, you know, I, I think the, the bye is in a perfect position after that Mexico trip. Yeah, I do too. It's just, uh, you know, it's just everything. You know, if, if you look at the Chiefs, they have been sprinkled with pixie dust for all practical purposes. Number one, <laughs> they get off to a great start, which is is wonderful for them. Okay, um, and they're they're just they're beating some very good teams early. Patrick Mahomes is gaining more and more confidence as he goes. Uh, he's taken teams by surprise. Nobody's really ready for him at that point. And now they're getting into a, a part of the season where everybody's been able to see this football team. But the the deal is now they're playing some teams that aren't very good. And those yeah. teams just don't have the personnel to keep up. So from that standpoint, the schedule is really working out to their favor. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, after the bye, they have the Raiders at the Raiders. Crazier things have happened for the Chiefs. I, I just don't see that. I think Rudin has checked in. You know, I think that, you know, basically it's been a fire sale there. and He's, he's just trying to build up the chip for the next couple of years. He gets draft choices, and, you know, they got rid of Amari Cooper. They got rid of... Uh, who's the defensive guy they sent down to uh, Chicago? Yeah, Khalil um, Mack. So, yeah, Mack. And, I mean, they've gotten rid of all their guys. I mean, they're just kind of putting in time. Uh, then, you know, listen, then you play them again at home. Uh, you sent the last game of the year. Right. And if you think if you think the Raiders are going to be into that game, one game left in the season after Christmas, and, they, and they'll have maybe two or three wins at the most, uh, they're not going to be ready to play. They're just going to be – they're already made their plans for travel uh, in, in January. Uh, where they can go on vacation. So you have those two teams, which you're exactly right. You, you just basically mark those out. You have the Ravens um, uh, on December 9th at home. Now, the Ravens have a pretty decent defense. They're one of the best defenses in the league. But offensively, they did a struggle. And listen, John Harbaugh has, has been talked about being on the hot seat because they just have not played very well of late. And, and, they, and, and they've struggled. And, and uh, there's been a lot of murmurs and a lot of locker room lawyering going on with the Ravens, so he's not in the best position. And then you have, which Frank, and you can talk about this, then you have the Chargers. Because the Chargers right now 
are a very, very good football team. The Chiefs got them early, uh, obviously very early, the first game of the year. But they play well, and they're coming into Kansas City. Yeah, and you really get to a point where they are, they are San Diego Chargers. When, I'm sorry, L.A. Chargers. And, they and you know, Philip Rivers has always seemed to throw up on a spike sometimes when he comes into Kansas City to play or against the Chiefs period where he just starts throwing balls up and doesn't care where it goes and doesn't care if it gets intercepted. He has not been doing that this year, and they are, they are red hot now. They're sprinkled with a little pixie dust right now, too, the way they're winning some of their football games. But that is a Thursday night game. Uh, it'll be prime time. It'll be pretty interesting to see what the weather's like at that point. But uh, I think for the Rams and the uh, Chargers, I think they're going to be fired up and ready to go for both those games. I'm not too worried about those games. I'm not saying they can't lose those. The games I worry about a little bit are I'm, I'm worried about the Ravens game a little mm-hmm. because you'll be coming off, you know, you'll be coming off some stuff getting prepared for a short week in the Chargers. Then I worry about that next week against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, depending on what you're playing for. It's just you got to travel. It's a long road trip, uh, tough place to play no matter what the Seahawks are doing. So it's just uh, that is another game that scares me. The rest of them, I think they're going to be up for both the Rams and the Ra- and the um, and the Chargers. The Raiders, they won't have to be up for to beat them. Then you just worry about the uh, the Ravens and the Seahawks. Yeah, and, and to your point, I, I agree with with the Seattle is going to be a tough game, and that, that's you know it's right before Christmas. I mean, it, it, you know they're human too. Um, you know, a lot a lot of things going on, a lot of people traveling in and out. You know, the whole spiel, as you know. So I mean, that that is something you have to deal with. I mean, as, as much as you don't want to think it is, it is. You know, you. you your, you know, who's coming in town and what you're doing for your kids, all those kind of things, it, you know, they, they're there. They're in the back of your mind. So that is always a tough game to play right around Christmas. I remember we went and played uh, the Minnesota Vikings on Christmas Eve, I believe it was. Yeah, I remember and I that think we game. Were, God, we, I think we were 13 and maybe two or <laughs> something, and we just got worked. We just got destroyed in that game. And, uh, you know, and, and I just don't think we were in it. And that can happen. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. So, um, yeah, you know what, Frank, to your question about – I think if they beat the Chargers, and I think 13-3, and three, man, I, I think 13-3 and three could be good enough. I, I just haven't really looked at New England's schedule. Um, it's not much. I, I think they have Pittsburgh on the road. It's a really tough game. And what, and what are they right now? They have two losses or just one? Yeah, no, two. Yeah, they have two. So – uh, you know, if, if the problem is the Chiefs have lost to them, so if they're both yes, to three, they'll have the tiebreaker. Then New England is a tiebreaker. So, yeah, man, I, I, I think fourteen and two would certainly get your home field all the way through. That, I mean, that's just a lot. But you know, if you look at the Chiefs, I mean, they should beat the, they should beat the Cardinals. The Rams are the toss-up game. I mean, it's just you don't know. I mean, I, I I'm never going to bet against Patrick Mahomes, but it's a toss-up game. You have the Raiders. You beat the Raiders. I. I I agree. I think the Ravens are a team that could come up and bite you, but I think the Chiefs beat them. The Chargers are the game. That, you know, they're a good football team, but you're right. They come to Kansas City and they don't play well. It'll probably be cold. Uh, just like Florida State coming up to Notre Dame here, Frank. It's going to be 22 <laughs> degrees and snowing. You I knew you'd slip that, that in. Game? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're talking about four inches of snow on Friday oh, when they come in. So I talked to the <laughs> I talked to their you know uh, their their equipment managers, a really good friend of mine, Darren Kern, too. 
uh, was with the Chiefs for a long time, and now he's down there as their head guy. And that's all they're talking about is, is how cold it's going to be and how much clothes they're going to bring. And their coach is making them practice Friday night outside. So, you know, they're going to be outside. It's going to be snowing. It's going to be blizzard by conditions Friday night. They're going to be out there practicing. So you can imagine how that's going to be for guys from Florida. But the same thing is for the Chargers. You know, the Chargers come in. It's December 13th. You know, in Kansas City, you never know what you're going to get. So it hasn't been really cold and snowy in December. But, you know, it's always had the option to be there. So that's always something that, you know, when you bring those warm weather teams up to the cold weather, that's something you go, you know, you can put in your little your little box as a positive. And then yeah, you go to Seahawks, the Seahawks, that's a huge game. You know, I think the Chiefs could be, you know, with two losses going into that Seahawks game. And if if they if they uh if they beat the Seahawks, then they then they go fourteen and two. If they lose, obviously they go thirteen and three. I think it's a key game for home field advantage. I think you're exactly right. Circle the Seahawks game because that's gonna tell a lot about how the playoff picture is put together. Yeah, you're right. It could give them a week where they could take some guys, take a week off. I think they could beat the Raiders with Chad Henney anyway, playing quarterback and with some of their backups. I understand that, but you don't want to you know, get into that kind of situation. The only three really locks for me are Arizona and the two Raiders games. Every other game they play on the way out, they could lose. They could lose to the Rams, they could lose to the Ravens, they could lose to the Chargers, and they could lose to the Seahawks. So that's one thing you really don't want to think about too much, but they really could. So they really have to be up for it. If they're 14-1 and going into the Raiders game, I think you'll see Chad Henney and those guys play at that point. And at that point, I think they'll have home field locked up. So we'll have yeah, to see what and, happens. And, yeah. and you're, you're exactly right. I, you know, there's only three locks. But in the NFL, to have seven games left and have three locks, yeah, that's, pretty that's good. not a bad deal. That's not a bad deal. <laughs> you know? All right, give NFL, me a – yeah. It's set up for that. So. Yeah, well, give, give me a final score here for Sunday. Uh, you know what, gosh, I, I think it's – 42 to 7. I mean, I, I don't think it's close at all. I, I think it's like you said, Tim, roll out the helmets. <laughs> roll the helmets out. You got it, buddy. 7. Uh, Patrick Mahomes does not throw for 300 yards because he doesn't play in the third quarter. Right, well, there you go. There you go, folks. You got to feel good about that. Tim, good talking to you. Uh, go Notre Dame. God, country, and Notre Dame. We understand how that works, and uh, we'll go from there, buddy. Okay? And, and we'll be back in studio next week, and I have a special guest, Frank. Awesome. All right. All right, pal. We'll talk to you later. later. Folks, you've been listening to Crunch Time. The official broadcast partner of your AFC West champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Sports Radio 810 WHB.